The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. This text is a difficult one. This text uh, is a challenging one, and it's made more challenging because of where we are as a country uh, today. So I just want to call this out right up front. This morning, our text is going to deal with our relationship with the government. Um, And and it's going to be made tougher because of our modern context, and I get that. I know that. At least this is an election year. This is not an election year. Um, But regardless of your particular political views this morning, um, I pray that we are able to come to this with open hearts and minds to see what God has to say about our relationship with the government, with the authorities that God has and so this morning, um, listen, we're, we're starting into this text. Like I said, it deals with our relationship with government. We're going to be walking through this. This morning uh, is going to be kind of a foundation-laying morning because we're going to spend um, a couple weeks, actually, um, looking at what Paul has to say here in this. And so um, we are going to, to kind of be diving into these questions uh, over the next couple weeks. But here's the deal. Uh, I want to give us the... the main questions that we are going to ask and answer together this morning from this text, and I want to give it to you right up front, okay? So here are the questions that we are going to seek to ask and answer together this morning. Number one, what is government and why do we need it? Number one. Number two, what is the relationship between a follower of Jesus and the government, even when it's a secular government? heathen government, who does not know Jesus or follow Jesus, what are we to do? And what about civil disobedience? When is it appropriate for a believer to say no? Lastly, how can we, and so importantly, how can we bring glory to Christ today in our country, right now? How can we bring honor and glory to Jesus as a follower of Jesus in our country? That is, those are our questions that we are going to be looking at this morning. More will come in the weeks to come. Um, But uh, let me make one more, one more clarification before I read this text and we pray and we get to work, okay? One more clarification. Um, I am not going to use this text, or any text for that matter, to, to preach a particular political agenda or view. We will not do this. Why is that? Because this is, Scripture is pre-political. It's before politics. It's above it, beyond it, before it. Um, And so as an individual, you have every uh, right and responsibility to engage, to to have a voice, to to, um, uh, vote as an individual citizen. That is your responsibility, and that is, praise God, that you have that voice. Um, however, as a church collectively, 
As Stone Oak Bible Church, collectively, we must remember our responsibility as a church. We will stand on this. We will cling to this. Um, We will remember what is ours and what is not. And what I mean by this is we will preach this and we are going to protect the pulpit here at Stone Oak Bible Church. We are going to protect this from any kind of agenda that comes and goes, the agendas of our day. Listen, I mourn, and I mean that seriously, when I see churches forget who we are. And when we forget our, our, our responsibility and we become that Republican church or that Democratic church, I mourn that because we've forgotten who we are. And, and this, this morning, I want us to be reminded that as we come to this, our responsibility as a church is to preach and proclaim, to teach the word of God faithfully, to call us together to remember and to respond and to live in the gospel, to come together as a community and to equip and to release the saints for the work of the ministry. That is ours. That is our responsibility. That is our call. So we stand under this, and, and we're always going to be very careful to protect this, protect this, um, and to remember what we are called to be and to do as a church. So having said all that, my hope, my prayer for us in this morning is that we would take this seriously, that we would take this seriously, and, and that we would understand from, especially these next couple of weeks, how we can be good heavenly citizens and earthly citizens. Having said that, um, I, I want to read our text. I want to read it all up front. We're going to pray, and then we'll get started, get to work on it. So um, our text, only dealing with the first two verses of chapter 13 this morning, says this, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Let's pray together. God, would you give us grace? Would you give us wisdom as we come to your word? We desire to know you, to know your will for us as your children. And as we come to this text, we pray and we ask that you would give us wisdom to see you and to see your desire for us. We ask today that you would give us the courage and the ability to live our lives in the way that you have created us to live in grace and hope and in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's start with some context as we get to this text. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because we got a lot of ground to cover, uh, but there are some important things to get our bearings. So I want to talk about context in two ways. Uh, first is the context of Romans, the, the letter, and the second is historical context. And I'm going to start with the history. I want you to remember this letter. This is going to sound like a duh statement, but I'm going to say it anyway. This letter was written by Paul, real Paul, to real people in a real place, in a real time in human history. Again, duh. But it's, it's important that, that, we, that we say that specifically, I want to drill this in a little bit deeper. Uh, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome, ancient 
Rome, the church in the Roman Empire. Um, the same Roman Empire that had just crucified Jesus. About 20, 30 years previous. Um, the same Roman Empire who a bit later would be the one to take Paul's life. Same one. Um, most likely, this letter was written in 57 A.D. Uh, 57 A.D., uh, while Paul was in Corinth on his third missionary trip. And if there's any history nerds out there, uh, I don't know if you know what this means, but do you know who was ruling at Rome during this time? Let's see if I can get him there. Can you, can you uh, get me my man uh, Nero here? This guy was ruling in uh, Rome at this time. This man was one of the craziest, psychotic, paranoid, lunatic emperors the world has ever known. And I think it's only fitting this is off the script, but I have to point this out. I just noticed this this week. This is the worst facial hair I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> Ladies, this is full neck beard here. Like, <laughs> neck beard and mullet. is It's fitting, because he's a lunatic, and so it's fitting... <laughs> That he has this insane, insane facial hair. But here's the deal. Nero was insane. He was ruling at this time. Um, now, this was 57 AD, early. So this would have been before the worst of it. Okay? This is before the worst of this man's lunatic things. But this, we were on the path there right now when Paul wrote this letter. Um, this man would bring about the most severe persecution of Christians almost that the world arguably has ever known. He was known for having Christians as lit up on his lanterns for his garden. Like, that's how serious this man was against the gospel. Now, again, again, uh, 57, this is a little bit before, uh, but Paul is writing about the church in, in this man's Rome. Here's why I say that. It's easy for us to look at our times and for us to think people are crazy. It's going down. Like, this is horrible, right? And to think things are tough and to think that the Bible doesn't have anything to say about Christians going through as difficult things as we are facing today. Um, that, that the Bible doesn't have anything to say about Christians operating under difficult circumstances in governments. Again, um, this is eternal and true, and, it, and it, God's word stood before the government, and it will be standing long after. Um, and the truth is, is, is that if we, we look at this, we realize that God's word has so much to say about where we are today. And I just want to put us there. I just want to put us in that context. Um, God is sovereign, and that fact is true under this man's Rome, and it's just as true for us today in America. And it's just as true for us today in any government that we are under. Amen. He, is, he is sovereign. Uh, more than that, one more thing about history here that, that, I, want to, uh, that I want to bring out. Um, the Jewish people and the Roman government were not good during this time. Okay? One last thing. So 
we know this from history, and we know this from actually Acts 7. Rome had just decided, you know what? Get them out. Like, kicked the Jewish people out. Um, they had recently come back, but things were and there were insurrections, and it was not good. And, and I, I, want, I want to remind us all that at this time, do you know what Christianity was known as? It was known as a Jewish sect. So it's true for the Jewish people in Rome. Uh, chances are <laughs> there was a bit of this between the Christians in Rome as well. And because of this, it is so important that they knew how to respond to the government. That they knew how to uh, see themselves as Romans. <laughs> it was so important. And um, it would have been easy for them to just say, you know what, we're, kingdom of, we're, we're, we're in the kingdom of heaven now. Who cares about these heathens? It would have been easier for, easy for them to do that. It would have been easy for them to withdraw, easy for them to revolt. It would have been easy for them to do all of those things. But Paul does not say that. He does not encourage withdrawal. He does not encourage revolt or outright war. Instead, here he reminds them that God is sovereign I'm getting ahead, but he encourages them to submit. Now, we're going to get to this in much more depth, but the historical context here is so important. One more thing with history, uh, actually moving on from history, but one more thing for context here. I just want to point out where we find ourselves in the letter. Um, it's been a while since we've been in Romans, so I forgive you if you're not like ready to go with what we just walked through in Romans 12. But what we did just walk through in Romans 12 is Paul is unpacking our responsibility as the children of God in the church to live together and to function together, to care for each other. He's unpacking what it means to be a Christian in the church together. That's what he's unpacking for us in Romans chapter 12. We see the marks of a true believer, marks of the church. It's all those love one another's, and it was beautiful. Then, in our text today, we're going to see a shift, and we're going to see a shift from church to community. In fact, you can see it, we can understand it like this. Chapter 12, right, over here, we have our church duties, our responsibilities, roles in the church. Chapter 13, we have our civil duties, our responsibilities in the community, out there. Life in here, chapter 12. Life out there, chapter 13. 13 is this turning of the corner, focusing our, our, our eyes on our community because God cares about that too. So, I told you I was going to be quick with context. Um, there's a lot there, but I want us to move now into our text. Um, we have in the first verse, it says, let every person. This is another duh statement here. Uh, that means every person. That's an all-encompassing statement. Let every person, if you're wondering, what about me? What about that person? What about, let every person, okay? Let every person. It's, a, it's an all-encompassing statement. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. There's a verb here. Um, I don't anticipate there are many grammar nerds in this, in this room, so I will not bore you with all of this, but for any grammar nerd out there, this is a present passive imperative. Woo. What that means is, is that uh, this is not grammar school, not going to camp here, but what that means is that this is a voluntary subjection. 
What that means is, is um, that it is a placing ourselves under. It is a command to place ourselves under authority. In other words, do you know what this word is? Submission. To submit. That we would submit to our governing authorities. But how can you say that? They're worldly. They're heathens. They're neckbeard Nero over there. Like, they don't know Jesus. How can you say that? Um, well... Um, our verse says, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. That means all authority, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, God is still God, God is still sovereign, and so just real basically, what that means is that when you and I, when we experience good and just good leadership, when we experience good leadership, we praise our God for that. It is a gift. It is a gift. And he is using that leadership for his glory. And at the same time, when you and I experience bad leadership as God's people, we still praise our God. Because we know he is still in control. He is using all things, bringing all things together, and he will be glorified in it. In, in, in other words, God is sovereign in ancient Rome under Neckbeard and in modern America and in every earthly government, period. God is sovereign. Let every person, every one of us, church, we'll make it person, every one of us, let us be subject to the governing authorities because there is no authority except from God and those who have been instituted by God. We can rest in our God. Let me push this one step further. That means that no government, no king, no policy, no election can take away the sovereignty of our God. He is still God. He is still sovereign and so in every season, here's the cool thing, we as the people of God are people of hope and peace in every season. That means when everyone else is panicking and losing their minds, we can be still and know he is God. That's really good news. Really good news. And we find our confidence that God Jesus is still on his throne. Verse 2 says, Therefore, whoever resists authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Simply put, this verse is saying here, your God is above the law and all of the stuff, the lawmakers, but that doesn't mean you are. Okay? Doesn't mean you are. And in fact, um, any visual people here, I, I think I fall into this sometimes. Um, I want us to think about this a bit like, I think what I did is I left this on too long. So you're going to follow me here. Let's go to here. Yes. So I'm going to think about this a bit like an org chart. Org chart. We have starting up here, this is God. This is our triune God above it all. No one is above him, nothing, no one, no one is beside him. He doesn't have like a board. He is on top, okay? 
Our God sits at the top. Go to the next. These are our government authorities. These are our kings. These are our uh, officials, our presidents, right? Notice, again, our kings, government authorities, not beside, below, below. Uh, one thing here, I, I did not put the church on this little org chart. That's because this text is about civil things, not church things. Um, fortunately, uh, I believe, just without spending much time here, that I'm grateful to live in this country because historically we've, we've done a good job of no understanding that the church is pre-political. It's, it's, it's under God and it's separate from. We've done a good job of that, but that is for another message. Today, we're talking about civil. So what this is, is God, then we have all of the governmental stuff here. The question then is, where are you? Where do you find yourself? Well, let's go ahead. As you guessed, here, here. Um, so as a child of God, you're not like, because you're under God, you're out here, right? Because you're a child of God doesn't mean you go whoop up here. There's God and government and you. You, 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 you see this, you see that um, scripture is so clear, Jesus is clear about this, by the way, that uh, when he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, it's kind of this idea here that, that we are under them and he is above it all, just above it all. All the rulers and earthly kings, um, he is above it all. So, you follow me here? This is so simple, and, and I hope it's simple. We're going to use this as a foundation here, but I, I hope this is simple. So you have God over them, you under them. You have, you have God sovereign over it all, and you submitting. This is the logic of Paul's argument in the first two verses of Romans. This is Paul's Logic. Now, some of you, thoughts are filling your mind of the what ifs, like what if, what if this, and then what if that, what do we do here, and what about when they're crazy, and what about when they're evil and wrong, what about when they require me to do something evil and wrong, like, ooh, they start spinning, we're going to get to that, but don't get ahead of the primary principle. This is the primary principle. Just because they, our government, our government officials are not followers of Jesus, just because our nation is not a theocracy under King Jesus, uh, does not mean that you are off the hook to be a law-abiding citizen. Um, you need to follow traffic laws. You need to pay your taxes. Right? Um, we need to submit to our authority. I hope this has been so foundational. I, I anticipate it, because I know this can get sticky, but we're going to start with what's simple. This is simple. This is Romans 13, 1 and 2. Now, from there, uh, I want us to get to our, our first question, and um, that, is, that is this. What is government and why do we need it? What is government and why do we need it? A um, couple truths here, and, and I want to start with, with this one. Go to the next one real quick. Um, government is given to us by God. 
I want, this is a simple statement, but it's, it's important we start here. So if you look at our text, we see that God gave us authorities, right? He, he, he gave that to his creation. What this means is that our God cares about us from the, from the smallest parts of us to the biggest parts of us, that he cares about you and he cares about your family and your community and our nation. He cares. He has a plan, and he has um, given us, instituted for us, um, authority and government so that we are able to function well together, right? So that we're able to function well together. I don't want us to forget, authority is not a dirty word. It is not an evil word. Authority is, is, is a good and a godly thing. Now, Abuse of authority and, and abuse in authority, that is evil. Absolutely. And, and there will be justice for that in Jesus. But the idea of government and authority, church, we need to start here. It is a gift. It is given to us by our God for his glory and our good. First truth, given to us by our God. Here's the deal. It doesn't just end there. It's to be an instrument of justice in a fallen world. I want to unpack this just a little bit. Um, there's a brilliant theologian, in my view, the most brilliant Christian thinker that has ever thought <laughs> um, is St. Augustine. And he talked about this a lot. He spoke about this a lot. I have a quote that we'll get to later, but for now. Um, he, he, he taught that government is a necessary evil. And what he meant by that is not that it is evil, that it is necessary because of evil. You follow me? It's necessary because of evil. In other words, government exists because we're crazy sinners. That's why government exists. And, and in fact, if you think about it, just think about back in Genesis when we had the first sin, the fall. We have... Uh, the first law is broken, man sins, and in that moment we see the first law broken, in that moment we see the first judgment made by God himself, and in that moment we see the first law enforcement. As, as the man and the woman are removed from the garden, and God places a guard to make sure they do not return. In that moment, right there in that moment, we see the first action of this kind of government and authority was to respond to sin. It was to restrain it. God has given us government to be an instrument of justice. And this instrument of justice is so needed because we live in a fallen world of injustice. The question was, what is government? Why do we need it? Government is given to us by God, and at its core, it's to be an instrument of justice to restrain that sin in a fallen world. St. Augustine, he, he, he says this. He says, ultimately, the primary task of government is to preserve, to maintain, and to promote human life and flourishing. By the way, that's a proper beard. <laughs> Not that. We've got we to distinguish that. So government exists to Make life possible in a fallen world. Um, in a fall, and we know this is true because 
People are crazy. And you are too. And government exists to restrain the crazy so that we can do life together. In a fallen world, sin leads to injustice. And so God has given us government as a restraint. And I don't think we need to look very far to see very tragic examples of when this goes wrong. Think back in history of any time when we see a government fail and we see crazy anarchy that comes up. I really debated about using this example, and I'm going to get in trouble for doing this. I'm going to do it anyway because it's just that perfect. Um, so I don't know if you have seen the preview. Maybe you've seen it. You don't have to admit it here. But if you've seen the preview for a show, I think it was a show, it might have been a movie, called The Purge. If you have not seen it, don't. I am not endorsing this at all. Here's the premise that I gathered from this preview. The premise of this is that one time of year, the government says you're free to do whatever you want. And they call it a purge because it is chaos. And this movie comes out on Halloween because it's insane and dark and horrible. Why did I use that example? I don't know. I'm going to get in trouble for it. But here's the reality. I used it to show this is crazy. It would lead to craziness. And why is that? Because without restraint, we go toward our craziest impulses. And what happens is injustice happens. The weak and the vulnerable are trampled. So God gives this gift to restrain that sin to protect those weak and those vulnerable. I have another example. This one won't get me in trouble. Um, it might be a bad one, but um, I think about seatbelts and bumper, bumper cars. I don't even know if bumper cars exist anymore in these days. They might not. But the idea of bumper cars is you're going to get hit. Like that's kind of the nature of bumper cars is bumping. You're going to get hit. The whole point is to smash into each other, right? And, and so the seatbelts are there in those bumper cars to keep you from, to keep you safe and secure and to restrain you from flying out of your bumper car and getting yourself hurt even more. Um, listen, life in a fallen world is a little bit like bumper cars. You're going to get hit. It's the nature of living in a fallen world. And government is a bit like the seatbelts that we all have. To a seatbelt to that sinful nature to restrain and protect. And so what do we do? We set up laws. We set up courts and judges. We have leaders. We set up checks and balances. In a democracy, we elect our officials, our mayors, our presidents. Um, we set up law enforcement. Why do we do all these things? Why, do we, why on earth do we do all these? To ensure that there is a certain level of justice and equity in the communities we live. And this is a good thing. To provide seatbelts to restrain human evil. And this is good. Government is given to us by God to be an instrument of peace and it, uh, of justice. And this leads us to our second question uh, today. 
And that is, what is the relationship between a follower of Jesus and the government? Uh, even when this government is, is a secular government, right? What's our relationship to it? And um, along with this, what about the times of civil disobedience when it's appropriate for a Christian to go against? What does that look like? I want to be clear on, um, I think our text is, is crystal clear on one thing, uh, and that is that government is given to us by our God, and he is sovereign over it. Um, let's go back to our, my org chart thing here. Um, so looking back here, as a child of God, our relationship with our government here should be one of submission. And um, this is that let every person, let every person be subject to our governing authorities. So going to our, our bumper car analogy, we put on the seatbelts, okay? We put on the seatbelts, we submit ourselves. And, and, and I want you to imagine, looking at this chart, if everything went good. I want you to imagine this. So, so our God is always good. Like, he's, he's perfect in all his ways. So this stays true, consistent and true. I want you to imagine, though, if our government authorities were good and perfect, and they, 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 they ruled with, legislated with, judged with love and truth, then I want to imagine that you and I submitted perfectly perfectly, that they listened here, we listened here. Imagine that. Church, that is an awesome life. That is, we've talked about, you know, shalom. That is shalom. That would be perfect. What's the problem, though? Sin messes up everything. Sin makes this messy. It, it messes things up. And the reality is our God still stays perfect. But instead of starting here, let's start here. You and I don't perfectly obey. We don't like seatbelts. We don't perfectly obey. More than that, though, and what our text or what this question is really pushing at is what happens when they're not obeying? What happens when it when there's a break here or when there's a break here. In our text, it, it, Paul is, is dealing specifically with you and me, saying we are called to submit. That's what he's dealing with here. And, and, and everything would work. Everything would work if, if, if it just sin wasn't there. But the reality is, is that in our world, we see sin. And so the question is, what do we do? So first of all, when the problem's down here, that part's easy. Stop it. No, I'm joking. Um, that part's easy. We, we deal with the heart of it, right? And, and what, that's what Paul is dealing with here. The question about civil disobedience comes here. What happens when the problem is here? What happens when the problem is here? When is it appropriate for a Christian to go against the government? And does this text say never? Um, here's the reality. We see, we see civil disobedience in Scripture. I don't know if you're, what's coming through your mind, but the first thing that came to my mind was Daniel, right? Daniel with the king of Babylon, right? He just, he says, no, 
stands up against, and he gets himself <laughs> thrown into a den of lions. Uh, but God saves him. God saves him, spares him. That, we see civil disobedience right there. One of the most, uh, I think, the, the best examples of this is so clear, and that's from Acts 4. Acts 4, uh, 18 and 19. Peter and John strolling down, and they were told, don't you dare teach or preach in the name of Jesus. You remember what they said? They, they, they replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. Then they say, we must obey God rather than man. <laughs> what? Like, does that go against Romans 13? I mean, how do we put these together? The question is, how does our text today fit with these, these stories, these examples? When is it appropriate for we as followers of Jesus to go against our authorities that God has given, placed us under? And along with it, how? How? Um, Again, if we were to think back to our chart, in a perfect and sinless world, we would perfectly obey our leaders who would perfectly obey our God. However, in a fallen world, there will be times when we fail to obey and when our authorities fail to obey. And that's the reality of a fallen, of a fallen world. Um, so what Paul is clear about here in our text is that when we fail to obey our leaders when the problem is at that lower rung, uh, that, that we are failing to actually obey God. Go ahead and put the chart back up here. So when we here fail to obey here, Paul is very clear that in failing to obey here, we are failing to obey here. That is Paul's argument in Romans 13, 1 and 2. That is Paul's argument. But there will also be times, and this is where we're pushing, where our leaders will fail to obey God when they institute laws, when they rule in ways that go against our God, like Daniel in Babylon, like John and, and Peter in the book of Acts, when we say we must obey God rather than man. And why is that? Because he is the ultimate authority. He's the ultimate authority. Now, when this happens, when these leaders go against what God has commanded and rule in a way that causes us to have to go against God, they will give an account. There will be justice. They will give an account. Um, but our responsibility in this, ultimately, is to obey our God. Is to obey our God. So if we are told here to go against our God, we cannot because he is the ultimate authority. He is the ultimate authority. I've wrestled with this a lot this week um, of ways to just say this with grace and truth in a way that brings clarity to this very complex issue. And I have really appreciated um, the way Ken Boa says this. And I want to give you a few of his quotes. Let me put the first one up here. When rulers put themselves in the place of God by legislating moral or spiritual positions which are contrary to the revealed positions of God, that is this. What does he say? Resistance is warranted. Then he goes on and he makes two categories. The first is this. If the position is commanded, that means the government is telling us, requiring us, coercing us to do something. 
And he gives examples of Herod killing the two-year-olds. Uh, he gives the example of Hitler's decree that Jews or other minorities would be eliminated or the prohibition against religious activities and on public property. So he gives these examples of commands, right? Then he says, the injunction is to be resisted in all possible ways. Now, second, he also says, if the position is allowed, not commanded, allowed, not commanded, and he gives the example of modern laws allowing abortion, he says, then resistance is to be voiced by the church in an attempt to have moral standards changed, to restore God's standards to society. Let me unpack this for a little bit. So, in other words, if the government commands you to go against Scripture, you, we, cannot. We obey God rather than man. Acts 4, 18. In that case, we will stand with the many brothers and sisters who have gone before us, who have said, I must obey my God rather than man. We will link arms with them. Now, if the government is not necessarily commanding uh, us to go against Scripture, but just allowing it to happen through laws and through policies, then we should be the voice of truth in our communities. We should be the voice of truth in our communities in order to see shalom in our community again. Does that make sense? It's a lot of wisdom that is needed here as we walk this out. And this brings us, I think, so beautifully to our final question. They're all, they're all connected, which is this. How can we bring glory and honor to Christ today as followers of Jesus in our country? How can we do this? How can we live this out? Um, I want to go directly to our text with the first point, and that is this. Um, we submit ourselves. We submit under the authorities that God has placed us. And I'm not talking about bitter I'm not talking about like griping and bad-mouthing and complaining. I'm talking about submitting. Submitting with grateful hearts. We submit. One of the things that I am thankful for in America is that we do have a voice and we can vote and, and I'm thankful for that. But listen, our voice should not be slander. <laughs> Truth, not slander. There's a difference here, church. And, and, and um. In Christ, we can be still and know that our God is God and we can submit to our government in all of the ways that do not call us to go against our God. That makes sense? We submit ourselves and we rejoice in the good gift that God has given us. Second is this, we pray for them. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, you don't need to turn with me here. It's, he says, first of all, I urge you, um, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And in verse 2, he says, for kings and all who are in high positions, that they may lead a, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And then in verse 3, he says, this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of our God and Savior. You want to know what's pleasing for your God? It's when you do this. Pray for them. Pray for them. We need to pray for the leaders in our community and nation, not just the ones that are followers of Jesus. We need to pray for them. And I'm not talking about praying that they would be like hit by a meteor, okay? 
not the kind of prayers that I'm talking about. I'm talking about praying for them that they would see and be transformed by the gospel, first and foremost, and that they would rule and, and with wisdom and encourage and that they would help put on those seatbelts and help us restrain the evil that is in our community and to do it well. We need to pray for them, that they would walk in wisdom and that they would be instruments of shalom even if they don't even know the true shalom. We need to pray for them. God cares about this. We need to pray for them. And then thirdly is walk in wisdom. Wisdom can be in short supply today. Um, We need to walk in wisdom. When those people in positions of authority in government, the laws, the regulations of, of a government, any government, when they come in conflict with the moral standards that God has given us, when that happens, we follow our God. And we follow him in grace and courage and wisdom and in love. We follow our God. Here's the deal. In all other things, all the things that don't go against this, listen, we submit ourselves to our government authorities as an act of worship to our God knowing that he is sovereign and that the government is given to us by God to be an instrument of justice in a fallen world. I'm reminded of the text we just walked through in chapter 12 that in in verse 18 of Romans where he says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's the wisdom that I'm kind of getting us here, what I'm talking about here. I want to finish with one more quote from from my man Ken, I don't know Ken, but I'm going to call him my man Ken. Um, I love this. Live within the system and do not rebel against the rulers on non-essential matters. And I love this. I love this. The gospel will spread more effectively when you do. Like, that's good. That's good. And unfortunately, I am going to leave us here because we're only at the beginning told you this was kind of a foundation. We're going to be coming back to this, but I thought it was good to end here. It was good to end here. Um, I know that we covered a lot. We Really, we just scratched the surface, and I know this can be tough to work through at times. I, I know that, and um, I just want you to know we are here for you. If there's any way we can help, I'm sure that something I said could be taken certain ways, and you know, I'm, I'm a human. Um, and I'd love to talk with you if you have any questions. Um, our elders are here. We've been praying all week for this. Um, as we start to walk through this, we want to do this well. We want to be a church that stands on this and stands in grace. So we're here. We want to help you, serve you. Uh, we also have a resource for you that I want to um, let you know because I know there's some big questions here, big questions here about what we do as people and then what are we to do as a church. Those are two different... We, just scratch the surface on this. Um, but I want to show you an article. This is just for reference. This is not by us, by the way. This is a really good article um, that I think is going to help us think through our view or our role with government in a really healthy way here in America. Um, this is a link, by the way, uh, stonebible.com slash politics. I never thought we'd have that kind of deal on our website, by the way. Uh, but this is not our... Uh, 
again, not our article. It's from the people at Nine Marks um, in Temple. One of our elders here found this. So if it is good and helpful, make sure to thank him. Um, if it's not, it's, it's on him. Just to, No, I'm joking. Uh, it's good. I just hope it serves you, serves you well. And, and, and again, my prayer through, through all of this is that we would be a, a wise church committed to what is our responsibility. And that is to preach and proclaim this, the gospel, live by it, live in community in it, and to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Thank you.